This morning, once again, I'm going to go back to the book of Philippians. We just finished a, a quarter on Philippians and a lot of wonderful things in that text. But as we were teaching the class and thinking about the scripture there, there were so many things I came across that I wanted to uh, share with you from a homiletical standpoint. Uh, I looked at a verse and I started thinking about the fact that we need to do more than just discuss this in class. Uh, we need to spend some time talking about it in a sermon. Now, the lesson today is a very simple lesson, uh, something that you'll be able to grasp very quickly, and that's a good thing because we've got some free Hardeman students here with us today. But um, I'm teasing them, of course. But, um, but things you'll be able to grasp very quickly, and there's not going to be a whole lot of, uh, of theological content about, uh, th that will make you think, but instead some very simple things you need to be reminded of as we live the Christian life. Austin's already read the text for us, but today I want to spend some time talking about how that the Lord is at hand. The King James Version says the Lord is at hand. The translation he was using saying the Lord is near, but they mean the same thing. But the text he read for us from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. The Apostle Paul gives us an admonition. And he's talking to Christians, and we as Christians should respond to this admonition. When he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He is telling us as Christians, we should be people who rejoice. But then after saying that, he says, let your gentleness, the King James Version says moderation, which is not a very good translation there, it leaves a totally wrong idea. But the correct translation from the Greek is, let your gentleness or the way that you treat people be known to all men. Now notice what he has done here. He has given us a, 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 a command to rejoice, and he's given us a command on how to act. He is saying that we as Christians need to be the happiest people on the face of the earth. We need to be rejoicing. And just in case, in case we wanted to put up an objection and say, well, how can I rejoice? He says, no, again I say, you need to rejoice. And then after saying that, he says we need to be living the kind of life where we treat people the right kind of way. And all he has to say as evidence for this, all he has to give us as a basis for rejoicing and how we treat people is simply these words I have on the screen behind me. He simply says, the Lord is at hand. Paul says, the Lord is at hand, therefore rejoice, and again I say rejoice. The Lord is at hand, let your gentleness be known unto all men. It's interesting, if you go back and look at first century history in the church, uh, you discover that evidently there was a byword or a motto or a greeting that the early church used when they uh, met one another. We find an example of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22, the very last word that is listed there in the text. Evidently was a greeting that Christians used when they met one another. In our society today, we usually say hello, or we say how are you doing, or we may say I hope you're having a good day, or that type of thing. But evidently in the first century, when other Christians came in contact with other Christians either at worship services or maybe traveling through the land, 
One of the things that they said when they saw one another, whether they be a brother or sister in Christ, they said, Maranathema. Maranathema. That means the Lord is coming, or the Lord is at hand, or the Lord is near. They understood and appreciate the fact that as they live the Christian life, they always need to be reminded that the Lord is at hand. This was something that caused them to rejoice, and it caused them to always think about the way they were treating people. So this morning, I think it would be good for us to spend a little time, like I said, something very simple, but something we need to have reinforced in our mind and and have it uh, circling up in there. Something that needs to be our motto, needs to be our watchword, and that is the Lord is at hand. But this morning, I want us to first of all think about how is the Lord at hand? What did Paul mean when he says the Lord is at hand? Well, it's interesting if you were to grab 50 commentaries off of a shelf somewhere and started looking through them and started trying to decipher what Paul meant as as far as the Lord is at hand, you'd find all kinds of different explanations. The very fact that Paul put it the way that he did uh, leads us to kind of wonder what did he mean is the the Lord is at hand. And I think the reason why he did that is because he wanted us not just to think of one way that the Lord is at hand, but he wanted us to start thinking about all the different ways that the Lord is at hand, because every single one of them would fit. Well, let's talk about some ways that the Apostle Paul meant. What did he mean when he said the Lord is at hand? How is he at hand? Well, first of all, this morning, I want you to think about the fact that when Paul said the Lord is at hand, he was saying he is always near and he is with us. In other words, when Paul said the Lord is at hand, he wanted us to realize that we have a constant companion. A constant companion named Jesus Christ. And he is always with me. Therefore, I need to rejoice, and again I say rejoice because He is right beside me. I need to be careful how I treat other people. My gentleness needs to be known to all men. Why? Because the Lord is right beside me. Many years ago I was teaching a Bible class at a Bible camp, and I was trying to impress upon the young people there uh, that um, the Lord is always near, He's always beside us. And I told them that they need to have a friend. In fact, this friend needed to be their best friend in the entire world. Because that friend is going to be with you whether you wanted him with you or not. And that best friend needed to be Jesus Christ. Because the Lord is at hand. He is right here with us today. He is right beside me and He is right beside you. Notice what the Bible says. From Acts chapter 17, verses 27 through 28, Paul's great sermon on Mars Hill, he says, God did this so that man would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. Obviously, Paul is talking about many things here, but what I want you to concentrate on is the fact that, first of all, he is not far from each and every one of us. But he drives a point home even further is that God is within us 
Jesus Christ is within us. He is at hand because, as the text says, for in Him we live and move and have our being. The idea that we are completely surrounded by God and His Son, Jesus Christ. For that reason, we need to rejoice because we know that He is always with us and we need to be the kind of people we need to be because He is always with us. The psalmist puts it this way, The Lord is righteous in all His ways and loving toward all He has made. The Lord is near to all who call on Him and to all call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love Him. The Apostle Paul, when he said the words, The Lord is at hand, perhaps he wanted us to think in our minds, Jesus Christ is right by my side. Jesus Christ is someone who is near to all of us. Jesus Christ is the one who fulfills our desires. Jesus Christ is the one who watches over us. Folks, I've given you a reason to rejoice this morning. It's because the Lord is at hand. I've given you a reason to treat people the right kind of way. It's because the Lord is at hand. He is watching what we do. He is with us. He is near us. And He watches over us. But there's another way perhaps the Apostle Paul had in mind when uh, he said the Lord is at hand. How is He at hand? Well, He's also at hand because He has the power to control the circumstances of our life. I don't know about you, but I believe in providence. I believe that God has a plan for me, and if I'm willing, as the clay is to the potter, willing to let Him mold me and make me, I believe He can have a a circumstance and difference in my life. I believe that He can control my life. Now once again, this is not in a miraculous way. This is in a providential way. He uses natural means to do this. But I believe because the Lord is at hand, He has the power to control the circumstances of my life. Now I know this is hard to believe sometimes, and sometimes even when it happens, we don't realize when it happens, but I believe in the providence of God. And when Paul said the Lord is at hand, I believe that He has the ability to influence my life and the circumstances of that life. In fact, as we go through our Bibles, we read such passages as James chapter 1 and verse 17, where James reminds us that every good and every perfect gift comes from above, and that never changes because of the fact that God and His Son, Jesus Christ, gives us everything that is good in this life that has an influence in our life, and that affects the circumstances of our life. The Lord is at hand. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, a passage you're very familiar with. Paul simply says, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. Now Paul doesn't say that all things will be good, but he simply says that all things will work together for good. And that means that God can use the circumstances of our life to work out the ultimate good for us. The reason being is the Lord is at hand. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that uh, we should not live our lives full of covetousness, or in other words, we should not be worried about the things of this life, but instead we should be thinking about spiritual things. And the reason why he gives us, the reason why he tells us that this needs to be the case 
He quotes Jesus. Don't know what the circumstances were, but these are the words of Jesus. And he said them somewhere in some place. But the people who were reading this book evidently knew about it. But he says, quoting the words of Jesus, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I am going to be your helper. In other words, Jesus is going to be by our side. And therefore, we don't need to worry because He can take care of the circumstances in our life. And so it's no wonder in James chapter 4 and verse 15, James reminds us that as we begin every day, as we live our lives, we always need to have this particular mindset. And that is, if the Lord wills, then that is what is going to be the case. In other words, we want the Lord's will for our lives because the Lord is at hand. He can take care of the circumstances in our life. And as we think about that and what Paul was saying when he said the Lord is at hand, we first of all need to rejoice. And again, I say rejoice because of the fact God is in control of my life. He is the one that's responsible for the circumstances if I let Him be the one, if I let His will be in my life. But I also need to think about the fact that as I deal with other people, as I try to be gentle toward all men, there are men who sometimes don't treat me back the right kind of way. There's others who don't treat me the right kind of way. And, but yet, as long as I let God be in charge and remember that the Lord is at hand, then I can continue to exhibit gentleness toward all men. But let's think about one final way how the Lord is at hand. And this one, perhaps, is the obvious one and may have been the one that Paul had in mind because, like I said, uh, this was the watchword. This was the motto of the day. And it's simply this. He is coming. The first century church had a firm belief not only that Jesus Christ was coming back, but they believed that Jesus Christ was going to be coming back in their lifetime. Now, we know that wasn't the case because the Lord hasn't come back yet. We don't know when the Lord is going to come back. The Bible is very clear that He's going to come as a thief in the night, and therefore He's going to come at a time where we don't expect. But they were so close to the cross. The people who lived in the first century was so close to Jesus Christ ascending up in heaven. They were so close to those words that He was coming back that they made that their motto of life. They always lived their lives with the thing in the back of their mind that Jesus Christ would come back at any moment. Now since it's been over 2,000 years, we really don't think about that that much. Oh, every now and then when a preacher has a sermon about it, or maybe we read something in our Bibles, maybe we'll spark our memory of it. But as far as being something that's ingrained in our minds, as far as being something that's a watchword, as far as being something that we're always cognitive of as we go through our day-to-day -day activities, it's really not there anymore. But the Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Why, Paul? Why should I? Because He's coming back. The Lord is at hand. Notice what the Bible says about Him. 
And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obeyed not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from that presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now we read that verse and perhaps all we see is this part right here. And that part's important. Notice exactly what it says. It says, those who know not God, those who have obeyed not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to be punished with everlasting destruction. There's a warning there. There's a threat there. And so, don't let me get too far away from this verse without reminding you, if you're here today, and if you have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, this part of the verse is talking to you. You need to do something about your eternal destination. But as I said, sometimes we think about this, and that's all we think about. That's a part of the verse. But here's the verse, the part of the verse that's to us. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. In other words, you that are having trials and and tribulations in life, you're dealing with persecution, you're dealing with, with all kinds of different things in your life. The Apostle Paul saying, rest with us. Why? Because the Lord is coming back. And so when Paul said the Lord is at hand, he's hitting it from two different places. He's saying that first of all, if you're a Christian, you need to rejoice because the Lord is coming back. And when He comes back, He's going to take care of all of our problems. He's going to take care of all that persecution. He's going to take us to a wonderful and beautiful place. But there's also the admonition the Lord's at hand because there is a warning. And for those of us who have not known God, who have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, you need to be reminded that the Lord is at hand. The Apostle Peter put it this way, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that that all these things shall be dissolved, what matter of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Peter, first of all, addresses the idea that God is not on the same timetable as we are. As I said, the first century church, they thought the Lord was going to come back at any time. And we today, living 2,000 years later, may think, well, it's been 2,000 years, I don't think He's ever coming back. The whole point that uh, Peter is making here is, God doesn't keep time like we do. We may think it's been a really long time since Jesus died on the cross. A really long time since He ascended up to His Father and promised He one day was going to return. But God's not on the same timetable as we are. One year is as a thousand, uh, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. That's what He wants us to understand. God is not slack concerning His promise. In other words, when God says He's going to do something, He's going to do it. But the very reason why he's waited as long as he has 
But his patience or his long suffering is to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all shall come to repentance. In other words, what looks like delay on God's part is simply giving us the opportunity to repent. In other words, it may be that God has waited as long as He has waited to send His Son back to us is because He's waiting on someone to repent. It may even be somebody that's here in this congregation today. It may be someone who needs to become a Christian. It may need needs to be somebody who, in a private, personal way, not any kind of public demonstration, but on a private, personal way, needs to get things right with God. And it may be that God has delayed as long as He has just simply for you. But the day will come, as Peter tells us, that His patience will run out because He tells us, but the day of the Lord will come. Or to put it as Paul says it, the Lord is at hand. Well, after thinking about that, when Paul says the Lord is at hand, he was giving us heaven's answer to two things we need to deal with on a daily basis. First of all, he is telling us how to deal with the discouragement. Think about the book of Philippians, especially those of you who are in our Bible class, what the context of the entire book is. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians while he was in prison. While he was chained to a Roman guard 24-7. While he was waiting to find out whether or not he was going to have his head chopped off. But yet he could write to the church at Philippi and tell them, Rejoice! And again I say rejoice. The reason being, I'm not rejoicing because of outside circumstances. I'm rejoicing because my rejoicing is in the Lord. Because of the fact that I am a Christian, I can rejoice, rejoice, and rejoice. It's not about outward circumstances. It's about the inward man. And though the outward man may perish daily, the inward man can be renewed daily. And so, with the context of what Paul is talking about, even in the book of Philippians, he is telling us that we that get discouraged. When we think that we're too overwhelmed and we can't handle it anymore, we need to be reminded that the Lord is at hand. First of all, He is right beside us all the time. You're never alone no matter where you are. And He is at hand because He can dictate the circumstances in our life and we may not see the answer to our circumstances, but the Lord knows how. The Lord is at hand. But we also should rejoice that no matter how discouraged we get, we need to understand and appreciate the fact that this world is not our home. We're just simply passing through. And Jesus told His disciples some of the most discouraging words they had ever heard, and that was that He was going to die, and He was going to leave this earth. And He could see the sadness in their eyes. In John chapter 14, beginning at the first verse, He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And so he says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. And Thomas, who is always inquisitive and wants to know how this is all going to work, he says, well, Lord, are you going to show us the way? 
And Jesus says these words. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father except by me. When we're dealing with discouragement, we need to understand that Jesus Christ is the only way. And He's coming back one day. And therefore, we should not let our hearts be troubled because He's preparing a heavenly home for us. That's the thing that's encouraging when Paul said the Lord is at hand. And that's heaven's answer to discouragement. But also when Paul said these words, he was giving us heaven's answer to indifference. It doesn't matter where someone goes to church. It doesn't matter who the preacher is. It doesn't matter who the eldership is. It doesn't matter how small the congregation is. Or it doesn't matter how big the congregation is. Every church has members who seem that they're not really concerned about their Christianity. In every church there are members who are lukewarm, that are indifferent, that rather tear down the church than build it up, rather try to be negative about things instead of being positive about things, rather not be involved than needing to be involved like they need to be involved. In every church... They are those who are indifferent. When Paul was writing the church at Philippi, he knew that that was the case there also. Because every church has people who are indifferent. And the church at Philippi was the case also. And so he wanted them to be reminded of something. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3 reminds us some with some horrifying words when he says, how can we neglect such a great salvation? When we think about everything that God has done for us and sending Jesus Christ to us and having Him die for us, that we can have the greatest gift of all, the forgiveness of sins, how could anybody be indifferent when it comes to Christianity and to the Lord's work and to the church? But the Apostle Paul wanted to make sure we understood something, those of us who may be indifferent. And it's simply this. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Now this morning, I hope that you'll take this motto with you. I hope you'll if not be a part of your vocabulary or at least be a part of your mindset. We need to always be reminded that the Lord is at hand. Therefore, we can rejoice. We need to be reminded that the Lord is at hand. Therefore, our gentleness can be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand this morning because He's right beside us. The Lord is at hand because He can direct and and take care of the circumstances of our life. The Lord is at hand because one day He is coming back. And that coming back, not to be dramatic, could be at this very moment. This morning, we hope the Lord is a part of your life. We hope the things that we have said today will cause you to rejoice. But if you're not a Christian, then all the things I've talked about does not apply to you. But we can change all that this morning. All you have to simply do is come forward, expressing your faith in Jesus Christ, expressing your repentance because of the fact that He died for you, be willing to confess that to others then be buried in the watery grave of baptism for the remission of your sins. 
You remember what Paul said in Thessalonians, the Lord is coming back and those who have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, they have an eternal destination that in a spiritual way involves eternal fire, eternal punishment. So if you have a need this morning, we hope that you'll respond before, we, before it's everlastingly too late. Won't you come as together we stand and sing.